Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Welcome, 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 everyone, right back here to Marvelous Monday. It has been an amazing, amazing weekend, Dr. Hadney, Uh amazing weekend. Happy, happy, happy Juneteenth celebration. I hope you had an amazing time. Oh, it was (laughs) awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. Oh, my God. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We kicked off on... And let me say, everybody, welcome to Marvelous Monday. For all of our listeners out there, it's always a pleasure to be right back here every Monday at 8 p.m. Texas time uh, to talk about what is going on in our nation and in the world and even locally here in East Texas. But, Dr. Hagney, we kicked off. I want to say kudos to my brother, Pastor Michael Cooper, who put on an amazing, amazing NAACP gala and celebration for Juneteenth there in Beaumont, Texas. The esteemed president of that local chapter, he is so well-loved by the people there. We had about five or 600 people in attendance at the Beaumont Civic Center there. It was first class. We had the beautiful oh. linen on the tables. Uh, the color scheme was excellent. Uh, the purple and the gold uh, has nothing to do with uh, omegas. So let me just tell you, <laughs> it has to do, <laughs> oh, has awesome. to do with royalty. It was so beautiful. So beautiful. And our big brother, uh, Mr. Robert Williams, who was the uh, MC, the master of ceremony, he did an outstanding job. I was surprised to see him there, was not expecting uh, him to be there. Uh, The ladies were dressed in their African attire, some of them. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the first lady was so royal in her long blue dress. She was beautiful, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. Pastor Cooper's uh, first lady and and the Beaumont's Mm -hmm. first lady. And it wow, was just awesome. outstanding. I enjoyed myself so much uh, seeing a lot of my sorority sisters who live down there and just people that I know uh, and was able to, say, rub elbows with uh, the officials down there. And and more importantly, for a very senior lady, uh, Pastor Cooper can tell us her name. I didn't really get her name, but she was best friends with uh, Miss Rosa Parks. They were friends all mm-hmm. the way up. Excuse me, strike that. Um, uh, Coretta Scott King, I'm sorry. She oh, was okay. best friends okay. with Miss okay. Coretta Scott King, and they were friends until the demise of the late Miss Coretta Scott King. Wow. But it was just outstanding. The yeah. program was beautiful. Uh, the meal was great. Wow. We had a great yeah. time. We had a great time. So we salute Pastor Cooper. You know, I was down there two, two days, a couple of days before. Correct. In a Prate project. You know, also, right, I was really right. concerned because the headline news down there were talking about the virus and how, how it was exploding down there. So I, yeah. if I, I was just wondering how they, uh, you know, uh, you know, they're at the at the event, and so that right. Was, well, they uh, were re- they were required to mask up. 
uh, and uh, yeah, and and we really have to we we've become because we've had we've had vaccinations as you know uh, Dr. Hagner we mm-hmm. had the uh, clinic set up there at the restaurant on this Saturday uh, so people are becoming a little more lax you in Carthage right well they're getting a little lax because and I'm going to share this with you they're getting a little lax simply because people are getting uh, the vaccines and so forth, but we still have to remember, first of all, that there are some people who are not vaccinated. Number one, yep. and then number two, we also that. have, and you know, and and we know yep. that it's ninety-five percent efficacy rate. So there's still that five percent there where you could pick it up, and wow. unfortunately, we we had not our cases are right. I'm just going to put it like that. I'm not going to single yep. out yep. any yep. locations. Yep. Yeah. But they're rising. It, it, in, well, in, it, it was exploding in Beaumont that same week that we were down there. You know, you know, wow. in Texas, only Texas only six six or four, something like six four percent of that. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And what what concerned me that unvaccinated group, basically the majority of that unvaccinated group is is us. That, that's, my, that's my prayer that the Juneteenth event award will not be because that's what they're reporting with so Karen. There were more memorial graduation exercises and all those programs right. are contributing right. to the explosion because I think something like twelve percent increase in Beaumont. They was cutting it. They they were quite quantities. My prayer is that the Juneteenth event will not become well well a super spreader because majority exactly. of people are not unvaccinated or was right. out celebrating the Juneteenth. But, Absolutely. And now the the Juneteenth uh, Association did not have their massive event that they normally have in Wolden Mm -hmm. Park where Brookshire provides all the food and it's a big hoopla. They didn't have, they didn't have, no, they didn't have that as they normally do. However, there were parties all over North Tyler. There was big barbecues everywhere. People were lined up. Uh, If you went up uh, our black, um, Wall Street, which is Palace Street, uh, there was uh, there were people lined up. They didn't have masks on, and they were not uh, spread out. And then they oh, were yeah, serving yeah. the barbecue. And so, so the other issue that I have, uh, Dr. Hagney, is that that people are serving the food themselves. The guests are serving, so they're going down the lines and they're picking up and handling the same. Uh, and then they may get back to their seat and they may not uh, use their hand sanitizer or wash their hands. So you got all of these hands touching these serving spoons, which should be a no-no, really. You should have the staff who are gloved up, washed up, gloved up, masked up, uh, serving uh, serving the food. And and I'm, I'm requiring that that people who are serving the food and preparing the food and our restaurant, they are masked up, gloved up, uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and protecting themselves because we have to make mm-hmm. sure that we protect yeah, think, uh, ourselves. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. there needs to be a re-education because I was in a meeting Absolutely. prior to, you know, uh, that they were mentioning it's going to be a new restaurant. I was wondering how that how did that turn out, you know, right. because it, with the well, evening you know, going it was on. Outside. Yeah, it was out. We had the big tent set up outside. We did have a bounce house out there. We had the popcorn and the snow cone. So everything was outside. Uh, I had the street closed off right there next to us, that little one block uh, that was no, closed yeah, off. Right. I had that. It was perfect. Yes. It was perfect for that. Mm-hmm. But you know, yes, that's yes. it's just like a, it's just like a, uh, a, uh, a picture disc. It's just like a spear mat. 
what we, all exactly. those things, the right things, then do what we need to do. We have to make sure that the reporting is accurate because we exactly. we got it done. We got to we you can almost anticipate an increase because of the event and also like you say, lack of protections and everything. What we need yes. must demand that the reports uh, of the surge are accurate that they report it because we and then we can know what contributed to it and then that's going that's we got to re-educate because like you say people are getting likes and everything and the other thing is a blessing that the, the vaccine from under five has been approved but still we deal with individual adults who not who, who are not following procedure and they may influence their children but this is just this is, this is just like a major experiment doc Go ahead and give us a good oh, I'm full report. I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to bounce okay, out, good. and you go ahead and okay. talk to us okay. and give us a good full report. And, and go pick up right where you, you were starting, hello, right there. Hello, go ahead. hello crew. I'm, I'm excited about being here, but I was also excited about some events uh, we attended this past weekend. Uh, but as I just want to report the, the fantastic news, as you probably know. CDC has approved the vaccine on the five. There are something like 18 million in the kids who are not, who qualify. But also there's what factor will be their parents. Uh, and so the reporting we need to, we are going to set up, and of course they will say that, well, you can get vaccines at CVS and Walgreens. Like I told people, people don't understand. I know, and he said, we know there's a pharmacy desert. By just standing, you can go to CVS or Walgreens, the vaccines are available. We have distance between retail pharmacies in East Texas. And I'm here to tell you there is a pharmacy desert in East Texas. And the solution would be our church hubs, you know, the, in our community. And we'll, we'll, we have those gearing up and everything. But that educational about, hey, this is not over. Uh, you mentioned all the guidelines. My, my, we need to repractice all, repractice and understand uh, the guidelines, the short distances, the masks, and and those individuals who are not vaccinated must get vaccinated. But this will be an this was an experience this past weekend. So within the next two weeks, we will see results of uh, of, of, of if this was an impact. So uh, if you know people, kids, young kids, uh, uh, work with them, work with parents to get them out to the vaccination sites. They'll be set up different areas and different places. Uh, and so that's that's good news. Uh, but we we need other sites uh, in addition to the public health department sites to actually get these vaccinations into the kids. And so we got to work in the youth group program, daycare center, all those. We got to get them on board and get them and get them educated and being aware. So again, the vaccine has not gone away; it's still here, uh, and, and uh, we will see the results of that. So uh, get vaccinated, get gloved up because if these vaccines work. And also, I want to mention something else. Uh, CDC, they're, they're, we're marking a single vaccine for adults. Now, CDC had, had reported decisions, should you, should you get that one vaccine, that booster now, or waited to fall as a surge. Now, see, that's, that's, that wasn't good because CDC put, took their, that off their pace. So they are no longer saying that. In other words, they're saying if you need that second booster, get that booster now. Don't be waiting for a fall surge, which was, a, which was, a, which was made. And also, CDC was posting that on their webpage. They said today they have taken that down because you know you don't wait this virus. Well, you don't wait on this virus. If you if you do a if you qualify booster, get that booster now. And don't be wait. Don't say you're gonna wait for the surge in the fall because there is an issue about the supply uh, of the vaccine. 
So go ahead and get your booster if you qualify, wherever. Uh, check out your places, your sites. You can get them. So that's stay, um, get masks up, uh, all that your hand washing, the distances and everything. So we know this weekend that wasn't the case. Even in closed facilities uh, with masks and everything, that's 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 not totally safe. So we're gonna we need to continue getting the word out. This virus, this vaccine, and this virus is real. It, it's not it's not changing. It's not it had not gone anywhere. And uh, so uh, just all the guidelines. That's all I can say. And kid, get the kids. Now, protect the kids. Uh, that yes. means get them vaccinated. You know, we as adults need to be adults. Uh, we want poor, poor, poor on our part. But let's not show that same with our children. It's future. Now, we yes. have to protect, in summation, we have to protect our future with our children. Now, adults who chose not to, then that's another issue. But adults, please take care of our future leaders. Our future presidents, our future mayors, our future everything. You know, they're, yes. they're here. So let, we have a responsibility to protect them. So let's do that. Thanks, Doc. Outstanding. Hey, Very Doc, good. The, Thank the you so much. Thing. Oh, there he is, right there. Hey, hello. That's the man of the hour. Hey, <laughs> Are you yeah, I was down. Number? I was down your first city. I tell you, you, I tell you. Everybody know you're down there, Pat. Oh, okay. Oh, you, I, hey, he, he is. That's that's Mr. Beaumont. What you talking about? Of course they know it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to come. I'm gonna Hopefully come back they down know down. my work. That, that's the question. That's exactly what we're talking about. And, and, and we roll this prostate project. We're going to need your work for all those males down there. We'll talk about that later. There you go. Sure, okay. no, no problem, but you're, you're right, Doc, about the, uh, the vaccine. I saw that under six years of age now is available. The other thing is that I noticed that a lot of people are doing adults. They're waiting until they catch the virus, and then they say they're good for 12 months, and they think mm-hmm. they're building their own uh, immune system. So we, we wow. need to say that's, that's a negative. That, that's not the truth. Definitely. Uh, don't believe in it. Not only that, not boosted. only that, Pastor Cooper, yes, but think about COVID is a long hauler. You don't want to get COVID to even to build up any immunity because oh you don't know whether oh you're going to build up some oh. immunities for COVID oh. or not. Oh. But let oh, me well, tell you, COVID okay. doesn't go away. It stays, it stays right. around with you. And then, and I'm, you, I'm sorry. And that build up, and that build up like being, being documented is not occurring. Effective enough for the new for the new variants, so that's that we got to get the correct information out there. Absolutely, go ahead, go ahead, Pastor Cooper. I just had, I'm sorry I had to jump in there on that because that that's so troubling no, no, when I hear yeah, things like that. Yeah. But go right ahead, go right ahead, and then we're going to no, bring in our special guest. We have some amazing guests. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very important for us to disseminate. We have the microphone. We have to disseminate the correct information out there to the exactly. people. As a matter of fact, one of our one of our special guests tonight is actually a um, a nurse clinician. So we just have to continue. Continue to work hard to make sure that our people and the people in this country understand the correct information. They have to get the scientific knowledge, which is mm-hmm. not being mm-hmm. given in some of the networks and some of the um, right. venues and medias around mm-hmm. the country. It's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let, so let, let's get, let's get going. We've we've gotten our preliminaries out of the way. Once again, Pastor Cooper, it was amazing to be in your city, uh, in Beaumont, Texas. We I was treated royally. 
uh, while I was there. I mean, I walked into my room and I had a, a dozen uh, long stem uh, yellow roses. Uh, there were yellow roses, Texas. Wow. Beautiful. Yes. Had a beautiful <laughs> box of some amazing cookies. I mean, these specialty cookies, not just those that you go and get off the shelves in the market. I'm talking about special cookies. They uh, they were delicious. Wow. I outdid wow. myself. Should not have eaten those <laughs> like I did, but I did anyway. They were delicious. That's <laughs> I love specialty anything. But we had an amazing yeah. time. My husband and I had an amazing time. We got up at Oh, three o'clock in the morning, headed back into Tyler wow. to get back here for all of the activities that went on throughout the day and into Sunday. So we've had an amazing weekend. So I want to first bring in our special guest. I, I, I should have had them to text me to let me know that they were on uh, online, but I'm going to call their names and hopefully they've already tuned in. They sent, sent them out the information. And uh, so we're going to talk. This is a really special show. And uh, tonight, because we're going to take a look at uh, uh, the black woman's culture in America. And it's so interesting, about three weeks ago, why I thought about doing this show is, is something that transpired on our show about, I think, about three Mondays ago. And then, interestingly enough, on last night, there and I don't know if you guys saw this on MSNBC, it was the black culture uh, the culture of the black woman, the black woman's culture, and what black women experience in the professional world, and how even though they're highly educated, they've risen to the top in their uh, in their professions, they are still not treated as uh, our counterparts or our Caucasian uh, counterparts as far as females are concerned. And in, as men in general. So I brought in three uh, top drawer professionals, two of which, uh, well, all three of them are military, as a matter of fact. Oh. And I served, uh, oh. yes. So we're going to bring them in and introduce them. And then we're going to kick off the show with this being Juneteenth weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about what Juneteenth means to us. We're going to talk about trying to get Miss Opal Lee in, but was not able to get her to get in with us tonight. That's a busy, busy lady. I'm sure that you guys saw her on MSNBC and CNN all over the yes. weekend. She's called the grandmother of Juneteenth. She is the one who thought that Juneteenth would become a federal national holiday. And so she's been oh, very awesome. effective. She went up to Washington, D.C. to be with President Barack Obama to sign that paperwork off uh, of pushing uh, Juneteenth being a federal holiday. So today was the federal holiday, even though yesterday was actual the actual 19 June. And so we want to talk a little bit about what that actually means to all of us. But let me bring in our special guest, and I think Miss Rihanna, uh, our engineer, has our lines open up. Uh, she's going to be in the background uh, listening to us. But let me first call um, Lieutenant Colonel Joyce Carter. Are you on with us right now, Miss Carter? Uh, Colonel Carter, if you are, can you say yes? Yeah, or, or I'm, say good? I'm yes. online. Great. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you on with us this evening. And what about Ms. Cheryl Crittington? Are you there, Ms. Cheryl Crittington? Yes, ma'am, I am. Wonderful. Welcome to Marvelous Monday. And what about Ms. LaRonda Hamilton? Ms. LaRonda, are you there? Good evening. Yes, I am. Great. All of my amazing sisters are right here. 
So uh, we're going to kick off the show. We really, this show is really going to be focused on these ladies tonight uh, and their experience in their careers uh, in the military as well as out of the military. Uh, all of us uh, I served with them. Uh, many of us uh, served 20 years plus. I think uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter probably served more mm-hmm. years than anyone, but they're going to introduce themselves and have the opportunity to tell you. So we're going to start with Colonel, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter first. If you would introduce yourself, tell us a little bit at least how many years that you served uh, and what your position was in the military. And then from there we'll go to uh, Ms. LaRonda and my sister here locally, and then, of course, my dear, dear, dear friend, my college bumpy, uh, Ms. Cheryl Crittington. We graduated from Texas Women's University together in the College of Nursing there, and uh, we've been friends a long time. So we'll end with her, and then we'll kick off and talk about Juneteenth and what it means for us. Colonel Carter, take the floor. Oh, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Joyce Carter. I stayed in the reserves for 29 years, nine months and 19 days. That's a little ringer there. And uh, I uh, I served mostly as the chief of the nutrition care division. And in civilian life, I mostly worked as a certified diabetic educator as a dietitian. So that was uh, my um, uh, civilian-type job, which I worked in all types of facilities, uh, nursing homes, private consulting, doctor's offices, and, and et cetera. So that's kind of just a little taste of me. And uh, when we talk about Juneteenth, I will, I know. We're not, uh, we, we're not going to go there. We, yes. When we talk about Juneteenth. <laughs> yes, she, she does. She knows. She lives, uh, the Colonel lives in, uh, outside of Fort Worth, so she knows. Uh, Miss Opalee, very, very well, very well. Okay, very good. Okay, Miss Miss LaRonda. Okay, before I get started on that, I just wanted to give a shout out to Beaumont, Texas. I lived in Beaumont for eleven years when I was in the reserve. So, very familiar with Beaumont. All right, all right, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> I did twenty years, four months, eight days uh, in the U.S. Army. I did uh, 11 years active and 10 years as a reservist. Uh, I worked in logistics. I was supply sergeant, heat control, armorer, uh, retired staff sergeant. Uh, I, in Beaumont, I worked in corrections, uh, the Mark W. Stiles Unit uh, prison, and then I promoted over to a large state jail, also in Beaumont. And I, I've done investigations, criminal justice instructor, and I'm now currently a criminal justice professor at Tyler Green College. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Okay, Ms. Cheryl Crittington, my dear friend. Hey, uh, this is Cheryl. Good evening. Oh, uh, let Cheryl. me take that back. I said, um, excuse me, um, Cheryl, I'm sorry. I said Miss Cheryl Crittington. I went all the way back to college. She is actually Miss Cheryl Gillespie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cheryl Crittington Gillespie. Go ahead, my sister. All right. Thank you, Shirley, again for the invite, and good afternoon to everyone. Um, I actually uh, um, came. I served in the Air Force uh, as a registered nurse. I went in as the first, a second lieutenant, and uh, came out as a first lieutenant and served ten years in the reserve. Um, with that, Sharon, I worked in the civilian sector uh, as a registered nurse uh, clinician, and then I went into case management, which I am currently still 
working as a case manager. I was at Baylor University Medical Center for 20-plus years. I did home care. Uh, as one of my colleagues shared that they did different areas. Uh, I did home care. Uh, uh, recently retired from Parkland uh, Hospital uh, as a manager for case management and recently took on another journey uh, in my career as a director of case management at the uh, medical city of Las Colinas, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, with that, that's pretty much it, just kind of summing, summing it up as, as far as my uh, career. Very good. That's outstanding, and I'm very proud of uh, the work that all three of my sisters have done in their civilian life as well as in their military life. Uh, so, ladies, let me share with you that we have uh, 14 members. We have Ms. Rihanna Piggles, who lives out in Kentucky. We have Ms. Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Richard Hagney, who is a PharmD, he's got a, a, a doctorate in pharmacology and, and worked in every aspect of life. And then we have Pastor Michael Cooper, uh, who is a psychologist and also is the president of the NAACP chapter there in, um, in Beaumont, Texas, and, does, and a great advocate for the state of Texas. We all know him, ran for governor, ran for lieutenant governor. So he's a big activist in, the, in our state and in the nation. And then we have Mr. Arthur Flemings, who is not on right now. We'll be coming yeah, in a little on. later. Oh, are you on? Okay. So, Mr. Arthur Flemings, who actually. How y'all doing? Yes, great. Thank you. He actually is uh, my fraternity brother. Uh, Ms., uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter is a. Um, she is a Delta, and, uh, and then the other two sisters are Zetas. Uh, Ms. Cheryl Crittington, meet your sister, Ms. LaRonda, who is a Zeta, a well-known Zeta here in the East Texas area. And then, of course, uh, then you have me, uh, who is also one of the uh, hosts of uh, Marvelous Monday. So we're excited to have you ladies on with us tonight. So let's kick this show off and uh, and start. We're going to start with you, Lieutenant Colonel, and, and talk about what actually um, – Juneteenth really means uh, to you, and then, of course, I know that these gentlemen are going to have something to say. And by the way, uh, uh, Dr. Hagney is also military, so you got two military personnel uh, <laughs> that are that are part of the co-host of, of the show. So go ahead, Colonel. Uh, well, uh, as I, <clears throat> we can, uh, uh, I always have celebrated Juneteenth in my family. Uh, my family came from around Giddings, Texas, and Burton, and all of that. So we would go to our grandparents' house, and we always celebrated uh, because we had relatives who actually lived at Galveston, Texas. So we've always celebrated Juneteenth as a special holiday uh, because of the, uh, of the uh, significance. And if you know, Elpalee, she has that 2.5 miles, which is related to the 2.5 years that the people in Texas did not know we were free. So mm-hmm. they do that on a regular basis, and they had to walk on Saturday morning. I happened to be in my small town of Atasca, where it was the first year, uh, second year that they uh, uh, done it in, in that small town. But they had a parade, and they had uh, uh, speeches and all kinds of things that uh, all the other Juneteenth celebrations have. But Juneteenth to me means the beginning of when we begin to um, – do all the work that we've done in America. And we have gone through uh, Jim Crow and 
uh, all kinds of things that happen, uh, things that happen in my civilian jobs and things that happen in the military, all still related to some type of racial division. Okay, very good. We're going to get deeply into that uh, once mm-hmm. we we do our round robin and talk a little bit about uh, about uh, Juneteenth and what that actually means to each of us. And, and I'm and, going to ask this. I'm going to request that that everybody, if you're not speaking, if you would mute out and and so that Miss Rihanna can get a good recording of this show tonight, and we won't have any background noises. Or any, even though we we want to say amen to the things that we hear, but we we don't necessarily want to pick that up uh, from uh, on our recording. So if you can mute out, and then when, once I call, and then you can pull back in. Thank you for that, uh, okay. Colonel Carter. Can I tell you just a little bit yes. about my work with as I have been in the community with Opali? Uh, yes, every ma'am. time you go to a meeting of any kind related to any type of program related to the African American community, you would find Opalie there. And she would always be working on projects. She would always be trying to ask questions as relate to um, the people that we're supposed to serve in the community. Uh, We had one meeting that I was at where we were talking about the closing of one of the Butler housing projects where most of the African American people have lived for hundreds of years. I believe it's like over 100 years the project has been there at least. And her first question was, where are you moving these people to? (laughs) And so she always had the best interest of the community at heart. And if you read about her, you will know that she's involved with a community food bank. Uh, She has, I think it's like, I don't know how many acres, but she has a community garden. And she just does lots of things in the community, always advocating for the poor and the uh, people that need help. Okay. Thank you so much for that, Colonel. <laughs> yes, and we're gonna we're gonna talk more about uh, Miss Opal Lee because she is an amazing woman. As uh-huh. you know, she's called she's called the grandmother of Juneteenth, and uh, so we appreciate all that great work, and we appreciate uh, what you've done with her in the community there in the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter. Now we will go to Miss uh, Lavranda. With Juneteenth. Just like with everyone else, you know, it, it, it symbolizes freedom. And we know that the former slaves, uh, when they found out, you know, they immediately began to celebrate with prayer, feasting, singing, dancing, uh, the same things that we do today. I know here this past weekend we had a lot of things going on in Tyler. And sadly to say I was not able to actively participate because I'm still in recovery mode from a procedure uh, that I had. But. It, it, it's really a good time to sit back, uh, to recognize, and to uh, see everybody become as united people and celebrating Juneteenth. And, and let me point this out that um, even though Miss LaRonda just told you that she retired out as a staff sergeant, she is a highly educated uh, young lady. She, you heard her say that uh, that she is a professor in the criminal justice division at Tyler Junior College. So she can maybe talk a little bit about whether she decided to go in as an enlisted or to serve as an officer. Uh, Colonel Carter, uh, 
Ms. Cheryl uh, Gillespie and myself serve as officers uh, in the military, but she served as an, an enlisted. So even though she's highly degreed, uh, you can still be an, the, an enlisted or you can decide to go over and become an officer. And we may get to talk about that a little bit later on. So now we'll go to Ms. Gillespie. I'm sorry, I had to unmute. Yes, ma'am, I had to unmute. So what uh, Juneteenth uh, means to me, I'll never forget when I went into the military, Air Force in 85, I was, uh, got my first choice, and it was Washington, D.C. So I enjoyed that area immensely. Uh, totally different from, from Texas, and I didn't really realize that until I came back. But I say that to say this, that when I went to D.C., I thought Juneteenth was celebrated across the country. Uh, little did I know that a lot of people on the East Coast, as we call it, uh, did not even know what Juneteenth was. So that was a wide awakening for me. Uh, as, as a young lady, uh, because we, uh, as Lieutenant Cole had shared, uh, had celebrated Juneteenth ever since I, you know, ever since I was big enough to, to celebrate. So that that was a surprise uh, to me. But with that said, uh, what it means to me is that while we have come a long ways, um, uh, we still have a long ways to go. Um, it, it, it disappoints me that uh, racism is still so widespread and so uh, innate in so many people, uh, especially young people, and we know that they're learning that from there and whomever uh, are raising them. I mean, where else are children, 18, 17 years old, uh, learning uh, sheet? Um, and I see it even in the workforce. Uh, we still have uh, uh, situations where uh, African Americans are very, very qualified for positions uh, in whatever organization, and they're they're passed over. Uh, John Wiley Price speaks of it uh, still very, very uh, profoundly that it, it that is still going on. So, what it means to me that while we have made great strides. Uh, we still have a long ways to go. And the thing that we have to remember as African Americans uh, that bothers me to this day is that we have not arrived. You know, we, we, we make these statements that we've arrived, and no, we have not arrived. Uh, I'm doing my uh, dissertation on uh, is racism prevalent in the church, and I can truly tell you that it is. But I wanted to share also that uh, racism is still very, very prevalent um, in in so many so many different ways. And I realize as I'm getting older that one individual can make a difference. We have to speak up and speak out and stand for right. And if each individual would do that, regardless of the race. Um, I'm not going to say that it's going to be eradicated. I'm not really sure that racism will ever be truly, truly eradicated from the studies that I'm doing and the conclusion that I'm coming to until we get to heaven. Uh, Jesus is the only one that's going to be able to really, really totally eradicate racism. But with that, um, our word says that he came that we may have life 
and have it more abundantly. And, yes, we can have a fruitful life here on this earth. But I just wanted to say what it means to me is that helping me to realize that we have not arrived, uh, that we still have work to do that. And as individuals, one individual does make a difference. Thank you, Cheryl. Outstanding. Outstanding, ladies. Thank you so much for that. Outstanding. We're going to deal deeper and deeper into those comments, those last comments that uh, uh, Ms. Gillespie just made. Very, very important. Thank you, ladies, so much for that. Now let's go over to Dr. Hagney. Uh, Dr. Hagney, as I mentioned, is military, um, and we want to hear from him just exactly what Juneteenth means for him. And then after that, we'll go to uh, Pastor Cooper, and then we'll end with uh, Mr. Arthur, and, and then we're going to get right into this show and talk deeply about some of the things that, that Ms. Gillespie talked about, how it affects uh, women of color, in particular African-American women, and how it affects women in general, and then the differences made with women versus men, and that means black men and others. Okay. Uh, wow. Dr. Hatton. This is awesome. This is awesome. I, I, uh, this program, I, I know you're recording it because this is historical what's being said. Uh, uh, I was I'm born and raised in East Texas, a little small town. Wasn't what even towns out in out here in the country where I'm back now on the family farm. And see the memories of uh, a segregated environment here in East Texas, uh, schools, churches, and and. Um, Juneteenth was always was the red soda water and watermelon and homemade ice cream because here in the rural, that was the only time we basically go celebrate anything. Other than that, we were in the fields working. So <laughs> Juneteenth gave us a chance to excuse to have a celebration. But also school and educational systems and and um, fast forwarding it to now. Well, I'm back to the military. Uh, back in those days, you really wanted out for a black male in East Texas was through the military. And so I was wanted to follow one of my brothers, well, all my older brothers in the military army, whatever. I wanted to follow my uh, brother's lead out of East Texas and wanted to go to the Air Force. I was in Fort Worth, Caldwell Air Force Base, looking at jet, jet planes. And my high school principal back then kept up with students. Texas Southern informed him that I did not come down and accept a scholarship. And he wanted to know, what in the world are you doing in uh, East in Fort Worth? So he taught me into pharmacy school and all the health careers and all that. Put all that together. And going through all that, I and I was I gave a presentation uh, uh, yesterday at a site, small town. Saw the Juneteenth parade pass by, and then what brought tears to my eyes. Once the parade is over, the individual went back to their community. That was uh, that was just to think what they were going back to, and that was an awesome awesome conference I I participated in over there. The question I asked everybody, but I say. We need to ask the question, what happened? Um, I, uh, the young lady, I mean, she was talking about where well, we have not arrived now. When I'm in the healthcare area, I, my answer to that is we, we start trusting other people to take care of our healthcare. And we're experiencing the results of that right now. When you think about pre- uh, preconditions and all of those, they're documented where we stop taking care of ourselves. We start trusting someone else to take care of us. And, uh, and that whole issue, and we see a lot of things in healthcare. And the point I'm making is in healthcare, we're, I'll talk later on about a task force where we're going to make a change in healthcare. 
in all the, all these areas. We need to we need to write books. We need to tell our stories. Uh, we God has blessed us as a people. You know, all all along, we have failed to realize how God has blessed us always. I I looked at the NBA playoffs, saw tears in my eyes, and saw those guys playing. Dominated pro basketball. If you and someone said and Bill yesterday, wherever we compete, we dominate. That's what our young that's our young students need to understand. God has blessed us all. He we want to slay so we want to, we were blessed. We need to recognize that, and we need to take charge and move forward. And I get into uh, other areas later on, but that's my feeling about Juneteenth. The question is, what happened? We need to answer, we need to answer that question. What happened in the area of education? What happened in the area of health? What happened in housing? A young lady on the program yesterday was telling a story about to for a black to sell a house in the United States right now. She advised you need to take everything out of that house that let the next person know that that house was, was owned by a black. Now, that brought tears to my eyes then, and even it, it, it hurts my heart to think that even right now. And these Americans, and this period in these Texas may not be in other areas, but she was saying as a real estate, they advise individuals to take everything out of your house, any sign that a black owned this house to sell this house. And I'll tell you later on some experience she told verbatim that happened last week if that was a factor. So yes, we we need to actually answer the question, what happened? And like the young lady said, we need to recognize we have not arrived. We have a long, long way to go. But we have to be we have to be the drivers. We can't trust other people to take care of us anymore. So when God has blessed us, I told our youth this and you guys this morning, we need you because you are our future. So and, I t- and so I'll talk about that later on. But that's my very good. Excellent, excellent, uh, Dr. Hagney. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Pastor Cooper. Well, you know what's amazing? All, all of the things that you guys have been talking about is is right on point. And when it comes to Juneteenth, you know, people are talking about these things, talking about critical race theory, uh, teaching in our schools and doing this and that. The thing they need to try is to try to teach the truth. And uh, yes. Juneteenth is, is an ugly mark on our uh, great uh, nation uh, because they hid the truth, and, and that, that shows you how uh, successful they were in doing the things that they did and, and continue to do. So um, I was 17 years of age before I even heard anything about Juneteenth, and, and our sister there was in Beaumont for 10 years. Uh, if she recalls any experiences at all that she had out here, uh, I guarantee there's a few where they were not very favorable. Uh, we continue to fight in this area. Uh, we, our NAACP team, we went to Bider, Texas, if you know anything about that. Uh, in 1992, CNN did a uh, story about Bider, Texas, and they had a guy that if we find a black man, he used a different word I don't use, uh, walking the streets of Main Street of Bider, Texas, he's not going to survive. We're going to kill him. That was in 1992. In 1992, I thought I was living the dream, uh, raising my family, trying to send them to colleges of their choice and things that we're trying to do. And uh, about 25 years later, I woke up to a reality that things have not changed. And uh, and I felt uh, 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 remorse and sad, upset. Angry, all at the same time. 
It had to do with my experience with Juneteenth. I had a man that has never earned a degree, a man that had to drop out of school to uh, earn a living for him and his family. He decided to send his wife to school to become a school teacher. He did odd jobs. But what he continued to do is tell the story, even before Alex Haley and Roots, about what we, who we are and what we should be doing. This guy is still a dear friend of mine to this day. Uh, he comes by. He doesn't call. He doesn't write. He just shows up, and he gives me some, some tidbits, and, and, and he's the first one, told me about Juneteenth, and made me in uh, 1983, I believe. I was Mr. Juneteenth in Beaumont, Texas, uh, riding on top of a Corvette, waving, clear meaning of it. I mean, it, it is sad that our education system, that's one of the reasons why I fight for education so much. I've been cursed out on my campaigns for lieutenant governor, United States Senate, and governor, because people say, no one cares about education. Nobody wants to talk about education. We need these hot-button things. But if we do not continue uh, to educate our, our children, our youth, uh, we will fail them. We have to continue to educate them when it comes to vaccination, like Dr. Hagen does every Monday night. We have to continue to educate them uh, about how to get, uh, obtain their education. And I do not mean just graduating from high school. I'm talking about getting your master's in, like this young lady's on the phone tonight, working on a Ph.D., like I'm working on my Ph.D., like Dr. Hagen has a Ph.D., like Dr. Uh, McKellar has a Ph.D., uh, these are the things that we need to continue to push because still in 2022, uh, we have less than 1% of African-Americans that have any PhD or MD or doctorate. So we have to continue to, to, to educate. Beaumont, Texas is the worst educated area in the United States and it's so bad that they did a skit on SNL, Saturday Night Live, about Beaumont, Texas. And it wasn't about graduating with a high school diploma. It was about not having enough people in this area that had the master's and the Ph.D. I had a, a, a Caucasian man challenge me one day. He said, uh, Mr. Cooper, Pastor Cooper, he said, my plight is not with what they're talking about on Saturday Night Live. He said, what I'm trying to tell you is that there are fewer African Americans that have master's and Ph.D.s than those uh, there are none, none black. I said, wow. So most folks are going around here having an argument and having a conversation about something they're not even educated about. And that's when I decided to go and get my master's in psychology. So what we have to do is continue to educate our kids and challenge them to always be the student, to always be a learner. When I was working on my master's in theology, I learned that the Jewish people, our Hebrew brothers and sisters, do not feel that they have even started embarking upon education until you become 100 years of age. So that's where the wisdom and knowledge comes. So uh, with that, thank you all for this time. Great, great conversation tonight. Outstanding, uh, Pastor Cooper. And, I, and we, we're going to have a, lick, a segue right into what Pastor Co- Cooper just laid out. And, and uh, after we finish with Mr. Arthur, we're going to deal deeply into this because because what I have seen in my career is that no matter how much education you get, how many years you sit in a classroom, you're still not as a black woman deemed as a professional, not, not just by people in the other parts of the world. When I say the other parts of the world, I'm talking about other ethnic groups, 
sometimes in our own groups. So we're going to talk deeply about this. Uh, let's go to Mr. Arthur, uh, my fraternity brother, A5A brother, and let him, because he's always going to keep it real for us. No matter what we say, how we kind of be a little passive about it, he's going to keep it real. So, Mr. Arthur, what does Juneteenth mean to you? And and then we'll take it to me and say what it means to me, and then we're going to get right into uh, what the show originally it was about. Go ahead, Mr. Arthur. Well, first, I'd like to say, welcome to the ladies. You said uh, two Zetas, a Delta, and AK, right? I'm right. Heard you say it? <laughs> Divine <laughs> nine's in the house, right? Okay. I, I, got, I got y'all, Eddie, here. Okay, I'm alpha man. I got y'all all to myself. Doc, I'm sorry y'all can't, you know, but anyway, I, I got them. But anyway, uh, 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 when, uh, when Mike was talking about that guy, you know, I thought he was talking about me until they said a guy comes by his house, you know, just pop up. <clears throat> I thought, okay. But uh, I was raised on a, 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 you know, a, 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 you know, on a sharecropper farm. And so uh, what we did was, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know nothing about, okay, when, when Juneteenth came, we got three days out the field. You didn't have to go to the field, three days. You know, and, uh, 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 and it, was, uh, it was a community-rooted uh, 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 thing. Now, when Fourth of July came, <clears throat> you know, he said, "Hey, you know, get your hoe, let's go, you know, because it's time to go chop." So, you know, so you know, so that that that, that holiday is deeply ingrained in our community, and by and and now and now by it being a holiday, it gives us a chance. You know, we got the CRT stuff going on, right? So it gives us a chance now to actually uh, have a serious discussion every year. You know, I, I saw some complaints about the commercialization thing that went on, you know, you know, Juneteenth ice cream and, you know, you know, so forth and so on. So, <clears throat> you know, so we're going to have to be the ones going to have to see how we want to use uh, this Juneteenth platform and uh, we need to grow it. Uh, it was a, it was a great uh, CNN Juneteenth special last night. I don't know if y'all seen it. I don't know if y'all saw it, but Hey, it, it was nice, you know, and it, and it, and it conveyed a, a nice vibe. So basically, you know, so, so going forth, it's going to be up to us, what do we want to use it for? We're going to need it. Uh, it came, you know, came just in time because we're in a fight right now. So, uh, you know, all I'm going to say is just say, hey, y'all, buckle up. Uh, we got a fascist government uh, that we're dealing with, particularly here in Texas, and folks need to call them fascists. That's what they are. You know, they don't want you to have no rights. You know, they don't want, you know, they don't want no history taught. They want everybody to be stupid again. And so, you know, and if you're paying any attention to the hearings, you know, I've heard the guy say a couple of times, he said, hey, uh, we may have to do it, you know, it has to may be sold in the streets. That's real. Uh, black people then started to buy more guns. Okay, so whether you, you know, think that's a good thing or not, you know, that's what's happening because we're not being protected. So all I'm going to say is that, uh, you know, a new future is coming, a new reality. So, you know, walk like it, talk like it, and be like it. Very good, outstanding. Okay, wow. Gee, I've been enlightened already within the next, within the past 45 minutes. I've really been enlightened. So I want to share a little bit about uh, my Juneteenth growing up. Now, we always, always, always uh, celebrated Juneteenth. I, I can remember Juneteenth from a child, and I'm talking about a toddler way down. I can remember out on our farm. Uh, 
and we didn't share a crop. My grandfather uh, bought and purchased, both of my grandfathers bought and purchased land here in East Texas. And so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this, this phrase that we hear and we've heard uh, all during the past administration, and it said, make America great again. And so I was in Bible study this last Thursday, and so I, one, of the, um, one of the gentlemen in the class said, that's not a bad term. And so then I said, uh, well, it would not be a bad term if I knew that America was great at one time. And so mm-hmm. I don't look at slavery uh, as being um, great. I don't look at the fact that two and a half years it took for us to get the message when General Granger finally arrived by horseback uh, in um, Galveston, Texas, to let the Texans know that that uh, that we the slaves had been freed, that the Emancipation Proclamation had come into effect, and that uh, that we were now it was freedom. So it took all of that time uh, for us to get the message. And not only that, uh, as Mr. Arthur mentioned, I think one other time, the crops were not really out of the fields yet. So even though they came during this particular time, they had to continue to work to get those crops out of the, out of the fields and get them to the market so that the, um, the masters, so to speak, quote, unquote, would be able to make money. So, But Juneteenth is a holiday that commemorates the end of slavery, even though it has been said so beautifully here tonight that slavery, uh, I'm going to say slavery still exists, and I'm going to say to you why I think slavery still exists. Because the mindset sometimes, and every one of you have kind of pointed this out and, and how important it is, as Dr. Hackney said, for us to take care of each other uh, medically and otherwise because we see that, that, that we're, not well, we're not being well taken care of um, medically. We have our food deserts. We have our medication deserts. And we have all these deserts that we experience even right here in East Texas, even in Texas, period, even in America, we still have those. So, uh, so education is really important. We talked about the Vita, Texas. We all remember what happened there. So, uh, so uh, blacks. A passed over, as Ms. Crittington uh, uh, Gillespie said, uh, it's passed over. We even see it in the church. We see it in the church house, and we see it from the White House to the church house to the street, to Main Street. So we're going to have everybody now to open your lines back up, and sometimes we get excited and we step on top of each other, and so we'll say, excuse me, but we try to get our points in. So we want all of our special guests tonight to go ahead and unmute yourselves, and we're getting ready to have a real dialogue on black folk in America, in particular black women in America, and the differences that black women uh, make as in comparison to her counterpart, the other uh, ethnic groups, and even the black men. The black men, I think, um, is really where we want to focus on because we need our black brothers standing up with us. And we got three brothers right here on this show that stands toe-to-toe with black women uh, in their communities and in America. And I really appreciate that. And so let's get going, guys, and let's talk about uh, and I'm going to go. I'm going to start. I'm going to go to the ladies first because it's really all about what they have really experienced in their career. And let me just share. I I, I spent 20 years and eight hours in, in the military. I had the pleasure of serving with uh, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Joyce Carter. 
uh, in the military. I did get the grant opportunity to serve both in the uh, active duty as well as uh, in the reserve component. Had an amazing, amazing career uh, in the military, uh, and I appreciate it. But let me just share this with you before we really bring the ladies in and get into it. When I signed up to go raise my hand to go into the military, the discussion was I went into the military with a master's, a double master's degree. I had a master's degree uh, in uh, nursing, and I had a master's degree in organizational speech communication. So the big discussion was, should she come in as a captain or should she come in as a first lieutenant with, with three years of constructive credit? As far as I'm concerned, I should have come in as a captain because there was a, a Caucasian gentleman that stood right beside me, had less education than I had, and he went in as a captain, but they brought me in as a first lieutenant with three years of constructive credit, which means I quickly, pretty fairly quickly became a captain, but I should have gone in as a captain. It should not have been any discussion, period. But that is the differences that are made from women to men that I immediately saw. And then there's a difference of made to black women, to Caucasian men. It was a Caucasian man that walked right in as a captain, and I walked in as a First lieutenant with three years of constructive credit. Let's go to you, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter, first and, and, and begin this dialogue on some of the things that you experienced. And I share some of those uh, things with you. I saw some of those things that you experienced as a chief. She was the chief, everybody. Keep that in mind. She was the chief of our nutrition. She was responsible for making sure that we were fed well in the field and all across the United States, everywhere we, we served, from California down to San Antonio to everywhere. Go ahead, Colonel. Okay. Well, first I want to just uh, say a little bit about something that we need to kind of talk about a little bit, too, as far as black women, black men. The crabs in a barrel, as they call them. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. I, yes. I, I want to tell you that what, when I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about when I first came in the military. I came in the military as a enlisted person. And the reason why I came into the military as an enlisted person is because I came in in 1969, and I was trying to position myself to get an internship in the military because the school I happened to have gone to, Texas Christian University, had never graduated a food nutrition person. So therefore, I would have a great deal of difficulty getting a uh, internship. So I was enlisted uh, uh, in a program called the nursing program or something, however they put me in. But I could neither be married nor could I have children. <laughs> so I ended up yes. having to get out. And then in 1970 or 71, they changed the rules again. And some of you ladies are uh, probably not yes. old enough to experience that, but that was what it was back then. So when I first got in the reserves, my um, uh, person at my unit happened to be a black male. And the lady that brought me in said, we cannot tell him that you're coming in. And I'm going, well, why? So anyway, I had to secretly go into the military <laughs> because they knew the person wow. that I was going to be working under wasn't going to help me. And so that mm. was my first experience, but but mm. it was black on black. Right. And so I had to go into another unit in Arkansas, and then they would sneak me into the unit that I was in 
in Siegelville. No, it was Mesquite is where I was. So, I mean, we we, we have our problems, but we also mm-hmm. have our internal problems. The crabs yeah. in yeah, and uh, I, I can go on and on and on, but I think we can give everybody about some of the stuff that happened to them, and we can all kind of relate. But I know go. that even when we go into a billion jobs, sometimes we may have a black supervisor, but they're not really for us. <laughs> Very good. And some I heard somebody else say something in well, the background. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Miss Arthur. Yeah, it's a question uh, because uh, you know, I was in the military too, uh, and I and I've been and I've been on the black in a lot of places that type of stuff. And and one of the things that I've noticed, and one thing I noticed, and and really first first of all, those aren't our systems; it's their systems. They had those systems set up where, uh, again, they don't fit white folks. They don't feel comfortable once you get past you know you know two blacks in the same area. I mean, it's just a thing they do. I mean, I've experienced it much time. And so what I'm saying is that, you know, when you approach some of those situations, just like in corporate America, they had they 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 had brothers they had the brothers had the sisters, but they had them competing against each other for the same job. So what I'm saying is that a lot of times those systems are designed like that, and 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 uh, and whoever's in that position, they you know they just playing their role, whatever it is. But I'm just saying. Uh, now when I say now when I say you know when you say crabs in the barrel, I'm thinking more in terms of of uh, folks, folks uh, uh, see you moving up, uh, are doing, you know, are doing whatever you're doing, and then they and then they do things to undermine you, to, you know, to make you not successful or something like that. That's what I, you know, you know, yeah, that's, that's exactly, and that's exactly what she's saying. That's absolutely okay. what she's saying. <laughs> right. Let, let me hear from uh, Miss LaRonda, who works uh, at uh, what my school that I was the number six student to enroll in Tyler Junior College as an African-American to enroll. And when I went there to enroll uh, in, in the middle of the school year of my, I graduated in the middle of the school year of my senior year in December. And my nursing teacher at my high school says, you can do one of two things. It was two of us. Uh, who actually graduated in the middle of the school year. And she said, you can go to Tyler Junior College, begin taking your, your prerequisite courses, and, or, or you can work. I get you a job uh, to work, and so you can get the real experience of what, a, what being a nurse is like, and that would certainly solidify and let you know that truly what you wanted to do, or you can do both. So, so I enrolled in Tyler Junior College, and so the first thing that I was told is, why don't you become a, a, an LPN, a licensed practical nurse? What, that's the first thing that I was told, and I didn't even really know what one was. I had never even heard about it because all I ever heard was about a registered nurse. So I want to I want Miss LaRonda to tell us a little bit about her experience uh, in a profession that uh, it's not a lot of them in the profession where she is. And by the way, also share with us that what you what you started here in law enforcement with the groups, uh, the organization that you started and chartered here uh, in East Texas, Miss LaRonda. Okay. Okay. Before I get started on that, I just want to say Lieutenant Colonel said a mouthful about the crap mentality, and and sometimes it's not with the with the other. Sometimes it's within mm-hmm. our own our own That's race. It. Uh, yeah. And before I get into the justice part, uh, I want to address the comment about the enlistee 
uh, I I went into the military when I graduated from high school in 1988. Uh, I had no intentions of going in and spending any more than four years uh, in the military, and that was to get away from my hometown, which is Crockett, <laughs> Texas. I knew I wanted to go to school, and I knew my parents could not afford to send me, so I went into the military. Needless to say, I spent years in. Uh, I had the opportunity to go in as an officer because when I got out of the military the first time and relocated to Beaumont, I was attending Lamar University, and I was part of the ROTC program. So I had the opportunity to promote up, but then life happened, Lamar, I saw no need. I just wanted to just do my time and get out. You know, of course, I think differently now than I did back then. But we know that in Lisee, just like police officers in the criminal justice, is basically the backbone. <laughs> the ones that are out there, yes. there, you know, so the Lisee yes. is just as equally as important as officers, regardless of what their education, uh, what the education is. Um, Absolutely. I got into I got into the criminal justice system. I studied criminal justice at Lamar, and I finished up through University of Phoenix, and we only got my bachelor's and, and two, two masters. And like I said, I worked at the prison in Beaumont. And working in the prison is in the military is where, you know, a lot of people look at that as being a man's world and that it's a world that they feel like women should not be a part of. Um, but, we know, ladies, that oftentimes women are better because we have that nurturing uh, kindred yes. spirit. Sometimes we can talk yes. someone off a ledge uh, sometimes better than our male <laughs> counterparts. So yes. I, I worked in the prison 10 years, and then I went back into the military as AGR, and that's how I ended up in Texarkana. Ended up retiring from the military and started uh, working in investigations. Again, another man's world. You know, where they feel like, hey, this is not a place for a woman, even though, you know, I was there and I was doing a job better than some of the men. But I had my female supervisor, who I felt like should have been on my side, was actually trying to keep me down. And I'm one that you can't put your foot on my head or my neck too long. Uh, I'm going to, I have to bust out of that box. Right. So busting out of that box was leaving investigations. And then I went on into teaching criminal justice at a high school in Texarkana. And then from there to here. So when I got here, I noticed that there were not that many minorities in law enforcement as far as what I could see. I started inquiring. I was told that there were only 8% of minorities working in law enforcement. And I wanted to know why. Why so little? Are they not applying? Are they not qualified? What is it? So I wanted to make a difference. Uh, I am the only black in my department. There is another female professor who teaches paralegal. Before in our criminal justice department, I'm the only black female. I, I am the only one who has not been a police officer. You know, so I had this issue that I wanted to prove that correction officers is just as important as police officers, because, you know, we have the three aspects of the criminal justice system, and we all yeah. play an important role. So that was a fight there. You know, when I back up, when I interviewed, I came in just like I had with all of my other jobs with a, a, this huge binder, you know, what we call the wall of shame, <laughs> the wall of shame that was overflowing, you know, with trainings and experiences, but nobody wanted to look at that. And, and with the salary that I was offered, 
you know, uh, someone was pushing for me. Someone was like, no, that means she's going to come in making as much as I am making. But granted, I had more education than that person that was saying it. It's just they sat at a higher, at a higher position. You know, so a lot of things uh, with me have been overlooked. I've been unheard. I've been disregarded. I've been yes. excluded. Yes. And mm-hmm. I decided I needed, we needed something here where law enforcement of color, black and brown, you know, can come together and make a difference. So the organization that Dr. McKellar is talking about, I started the East Texas National Association of Blacks in Criminal Justice. I started that in 2020. Uh, we have 25 members, you know, where we, we're trying to dig our toes, you know, in the sand there so we can get some things changed and, and and my um, my the reason why I did it because I want to try to bridge that gap, you know, between yes. law enforcement and the community, you know, as well as letting be known that we have these opportunities. I'm always sharing on my Facebook page uh, vacancies uh, of police and corrections and things like that, where you know we want our people to to apply because we need to be that change. Yes. that we need to see. And I'm going to pick this up later because I know someone else is ready to double dutch in. That's, <laughs> that's outstanding. <laughs> uh, beautiful. So, so, so well said. So well said. And, and we're focusing a little bit, unfortunately, uh, on that crab in the basket. Uh, but sometimes, uh, let me say, uh, guys, that sometimes uh, people may not even know, they may not even realize uh, racism is kind of subtle. People may not even realize that they're doing uh, what they're doing. Even the people that look like us uh, right. may or may not realize uh, what they're doing uh, and to try to hold people back or pull people down, as, as Mr. Arthur say, you're in this barrel. And so when they see you climbing up uh, that ladder, of that career of success, you should be pushing up and not pulling down. And then once we rise up, then we should reach back and pull that person that may be still down there, pull them up. Don't, as, as uh, Vice President Kamala Harris' mother told her, you may be the first, but don't be the last. Don't be the only one. Reach back and pull someone else up. So let's take a look at and, and listen to uh, Miss Cheryl and let it, because she brought in something really powerful. She brought in the church and, and uh, religion and racism to see how, how we can see a difference uh, even in the church house. And we appreciate the dissertation that she is working on right now that's going to be valuable uh, to our offsprings and that next generation that's coming behind us, as well as this generation right now that's on her level, uh, the adults who need to hear more about this. And I'm going to eventually tell you why I decided to have this show tonight. Ms. Cheryl. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm sorry. Good evening again. Uh, Basically, in a nutshell, Shirley, because I want us to have the time to continue to speak. And if I can just quickly say, also with the crabs in the barrel, I look at that also as a situation because it, it has happened to me several times. Um, when we have individuals in positions, whatever position in whatever organization, it is our responsibility to help move people on and up. We don't do that. You know, when there's opportunities that uh, become open in, in an organization, you know that the person that you're working with, they may be working under you. I, I don't like to use the word under. I, I like to say working for. But you know they have the credentials. They have the 
capabilities, they, and, and you don't even promote them. That That's what I was going to say, and it's in churches as well. We don't promote one another like we should, afraid that someone is going to take your position. And what we have to realize, and I, I truly say this as a leader, and we're all leaders, if a organization or an area that you are a leader of falls or fails because you're not there, that's an indication that you are not an effective leader. Very good. A leader, an effective leader should be one that is training others, not necessarily yeah. for your position, but that too. But you yeah. should be proud that if yeah. you go away or whatever, that your area or your organization is yet able to function. And I wanted to say that as a crab-like mentality because we don't do that. We don't promote one another. And I've had, uh, heard my other colleagues say that we are, uh, and I say we because, you know, if it affects one, it affects all. Uh, just That's like right. justice. If, if, if justice is not done for one, then justice is not done for none of us. Um That's right. We we don't promote one another, and and this is where we're going to fall. I think I heard one of our uh, wonderful men share that it is our responsibility to help mentor and help to grow people. It's not enough for us to get educated, you know, uh, educated foods is what I call it. My daddy used to say uh, education without salvation is damnation. Y'all, y'all like that one? Yeah, well, I, think, uh, I think he just said something, right, Pastor Cooper? I think she just said something. <laughs> Go ahead. And so, Absolutely. so with that, we do have a responsibility with that. But um, Shirley, what did you want me to talk? And I, I forgot that quick. What did you want me to talk all, all about no, no, uh, that's uh, all racism well, in the church? We're, we're, yeah. Yes. Well, we're talking about experiences that we as <laughs> Black women have had, and and the, the focus here uh, tonight is that. And I'm going to use Dr. Hagney as an example. Dr. Hagney has a Ph.D. I have a Ph.D. Dr. Hagney gets more recognition, not that we need the recognition. We know who we are and who we are and what we have done in our career. But Dr. Hagney may get more notification mm-hmm. about his as doctorate and his Ph.D. Mm-hmm. as a male than Shirley mm-hmm. McKellar as a female would get right. uh, in, in the mind's eye, sometimes even in our, our us, because we're still talking about uh, among us as blacks. I think that's what we, as, as African-Americans, as black people, whatever you want to call us. We've been called so many different things. So whatever right. you want to call us, black and black, and I'm black and I'm proud. So you can call me black if you want to. That'll mm-hmm. be just fine. But the, but the difference, when we're talking about the differences that are made to black women in particular, and, and I'm so sorry that every Everybody did not see that show on last night because I thought about this several weeks ago from our sh- one of our shows on Monday night. And then on last night by George, uh, black women, the culture of black women was on. Mm. And it was amazing. But to hear these professional women all across mm. America, all mm-hmm. of us know them, see them on television, talking about what they have experienced in their career, even with our black brothers. And even in particular, and and they said, we expect this uh, from uh, from others in, in in the world, but we don't always expect this from our own brothers, but we get it both on both sides of the fence. Okay, go ahead, uh, Ms. Cheryl, if you have something else, and then we're gonna go to the men, because we, we, we wanna hear, 
and, and, and that excludes these brothers on this phone. I already mentioned on this radio show, these three brothers that are here support Miss Rihanna and I 100% all of the time. But it's not that way everywhere out there in the real, real world. So go ahead and share with us, uh, Cheryl, whatever you want Okay. Yes, uh, me, Cheryl. Cheryl, I'm done. I, I'll say what I needed to say. You, you can go ahead and proceed. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Cheryl, I heard somebody else. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. This, this uh, is Colonel, Colonel Carter. Carter but, and mm-hmm. I just have yeah. one more incident to relate to you guys. And, and it's concerning the same person that who was supposed to be my mentor in the uh, reserves. So we spent many, many years there with this particular person who was a colonel as well as an instructor of nutrition at Prairie View A&M. So he had gotten his 06 and spent his time to uh, uh, make sure that he would keep his rank. So when he got ready to leave, it was time for him to go. Um, He was asked by our higher command about the readiness of myself and the uh, sergeant that I was working with. And this right. man who had to retire because he had had all this time in, and we had supported him. We had helped him to uh, maintain his equipment and do everything that we need to do to keep the unit up. And uh, what happened was is he um, uh, told the command that we were not ready. Wow. And the commander See. at the time, who happened to be a doctor, at the VA and was also the commander of our unit said she is right. ready and she's my choice. But he was not, uh, 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 it was that syndrome that I'm telling you about that I had to deal exactly. with. Exactly. And, exactly. and uh, it happened when I first came in and then it happened at the time that they were going to promote me and put me in my position. So I just wanted to relate that little story. Very good. And I, I know that story very well. <laughs> Very well. Let's go and listen to uh, some of our gentlemen because we don't we don't want it to appear that we're badgering anybody, but we're just putting facts out there, the real world of what women experience, what they still experience uh, to this day. And uh, because I, I can tell you, these ladies that are on this show tonight have put all their all in all into it. They have risen uh, they, uh, to the ranks. They have brought new programs. They've just established. And, 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 and I want to share this quickly with you, and Lieutenant Colonel Carter can share, can tell you unequivocally. I, when, when we were deployed overseas to the war, uh, the Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, and we were based there uh, in, uh, at Launstool, Germany, and then sent out to our different locations of where we needed to be or or there at Lone Stool, uh, there, there was one thing that we need that we were short on, and, and that was the intensive care physicians, well-trained physicians and nurses. And I established uh, an, an uh, ICU program uh, with the help of, uh, of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter and our beloved uh, friend, who's now passed on the way, Colonel uh, the late Colonel Rose Hazlick. Uh, I And then I set up a um, comprehensive breast cancer center in the European theater there that still exists there uh, because I saw I saw so many men and women uh, that that uh, was coming down with breast cancer as we know five percent of the men in America get breast cancer so I established a comprehensive breast cancer center there set up a um, 
a program so that we could save the military from having to send people back to America to be trained in, in intensive care, uh, that we established it and taught it right there uh, overseas in Europe. Uh, Dr. Carter, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter uh, taught her part in nutrition. I taught my part in the medical uh, side of the house. And we did some great things. Uh, there we actually even did uh, military radio and broadcast there uh, what was going on on the battlefield just did some amazing stuff but it always took a little bit of time for us to rise the ranks uh, sitting next to our counterparts who did not quite look like us it just always took a little bit more time for us to get to that next level than it did for for those that sat next to us but we never really got the right as a matter of fact I got my doctorate while in the military. The military paid for me going to school and getting that, uh, all of that. So, so, but we don't get the recognition that some of the others get. So let's hear from the gentlemen. We just wanted to make sure that they don't, they know that we're not badgering gentlemen. We just are putting facts out there of what we have experienced in our career. Let's go to you, um, uh, Dr. Hagney, and then we'll go to uh, Pastor Cooper, and then we'll come to uh, Mr. Arthur. Excellent, excellent. Very interesting, very interesting. Uh, well, I forget, uh, I, I attended a conference just a couple of weeks ago. It was an agriculture conference. Uh, basically, it's an organization from strong African-American males in agriculture. Uh, they have a conference every four years, and they're a guy from Port Arthur. I just want to mention this past week, their, their program consisted of all females. Their focus was all females wow. in agriculture. And there wow. was a young lady. I tell you, it, it, uh, see, we and, and uh, there was a young lady. Uh, she's at uh, she's up in Washington D.C. in the agriculture department. She was down. She's covered in criminal justice program of that. But we forget about agriculture. Uh, and, and so it was impressive to sit there because I'm my ag background and see these young ladies who look like me in all of these phases and level of agriculture in these United States from the agriculture department all the way down to rural East Texas. And then I'm, I'm so my hat go out to them. So don't there, there are tons of needs. There are tons of funds in the agriculture department. They need more of us. So Prairie A M and those guys, uh, my hat should go out to them what they're doing. Uh, all yeah. corn and other HBCUs. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah, don't that's get, right. I get I get excited when I talk about that. I'm gonna move on. <laughs> but Prairie and the <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah. but I just want to hat go out to agriculture because you know. We forget we eat, you know, there you go. And, and the importance of food. And my youngest, one of my granddaughters, PhD program, Rutgers, that's what her, that's what her work she's doing. But I want to say, and, and you know, uh, sort of pull all this together, what you're saying, experience, and and those right. There's a book I've been telling everybody else, and I tell people the future of Texas is East Texas, and people mm-hmm. don't don't understand East Texas. Uh, they try to import people from Dallas and. Uh, Atlanta and other places that come here in East Texas called National all the way up to Washington D.C. They sort of feel that people in East Texas us don't know what we're doing, so we need a lot of help. So there's a lot of grant money and all forms flowing in this area is trying to help us out. We don't need that help. We're blessed with people right here in East Texas. I said it's a thousand yeah. times. Yeah. We don't need we don't need important people coming and helping us in Texas. But I tell people there is a book. Everybody been telling the medical school this and everybody else. And I told the group today, if you want to understand Texas, 
particularly East Texas, you need to read the book Plantation Life in Texas. Yeah, yeah. We look back yes. at our history and how history is taught. I tell people, if you understand, see, if you, if you redraw the plantation lines in Texas, in East Texas particularly, you will find majority, 80, 90% of the black communities are still on that original plantation. <laughs> so what does that mean? So I, I told guys in medical school, you train a healthcare professional. You go and want to talk about health issues and everything to a black in East Texas, you better understand that the plantation connection. Because, see, there are blacks in East Texas who are still remote when they had to come through the back doors. And they're coming through a lot of black back doors in our healthcare system and now in East Texas all across America. So I tell, I, I tell people that you must read this book in academic, public school, graduate school, and particularly your healthcare uh, program, you want to help a minority. But there is another point. The, uh, I always like solutions. The octopus plan. Yeah. Uh, some of you heard me talk about this before. But when you talk about crabs in a barrel, I tell you, you become a target. Never become a target. You because that's how crab in a barrel. That's how that mentality control you because you are a target. But in the area of uh, octopus plan, uh, what we have to do from Washington D.C. all the way through, we need to. Uh, if you mum an octopus, you can't stop an octopus by addressing one leg, attacking one leg. He's moving. What's <laughs> that happening? What's happening? What's, he, what's happening in the United States, octopus is, is turning on America. Yes. America from Washington, D.C., Austin, all they they use single plans. You can't stop. And right. so, so what we set up, we set up our task force here in northeast Texas, focused on communities of color. Yeah, let me sort of mention that. Washington understands right. urban. Austin sort of understands urban. They all sort of understand rural. But when you mention... Right. Community, particularly um, that's our specialty, northeast Texas community of color, everything falls off the table. Like someone said, well, green wire, the people, they, they're not familiar with it. So that's a big issue. So my recommendation, people need to develop an octopus plan wherever you are. Again, you won't be a target, but also we set the task force because you have to address all the legs at one time. We have individual criminal mm-hmm. justice. All, the whole judicial component. But the young lady in nutrition, I need to speak with you because and we need someone to head up our nutritional division and our task force because if you look at back at healthcare, and someone asks me, how do you have someone on agriculture on your task force? Well, everybody, if you look at preconditions yeah. and where word, well, so I, we need someone to head up, and Dr. McKellen, you guys know, we need someone to head up the nutritional um, because what we're talking about doing that, uh, I, and the success of our program has been the black church. I repeat that, mm-hmm. the black church. The trust mm-hmm. in these communities, not in Washington, D.C., not in some pro-person, somebody giving a lot of money, is that pastor, is that black church. I'm talking about rural these states. It might be different uh, Dallas or Houston, whatever. But that's that's the success of these COVID vaccination we've had is working through the black churches. We'll set up 10 yeah. hubs in this, in the, from Texarkana all the way to Beaumont. A hub represents one lead church in a county that coordinate information to all the other churches. So in East Texas, we we had expertise to take information to the back porch, front porch of a black home in East Texas. Right, very good. So, we, so let me can, share this with that. you, uh, Dr. Hagney, that uh, Miss Cheryl Gillespie's husband is a pastor in the uh, in the Fort Worth uh, area there in uh, North Texas. So, uh, so you're talking to. Uh, 
a, minister, a pastor's wife uh, here tonight, and she's listening. And, and you heard her say what she's working on, working on her PhD and what what it's in. But uh, that's but but Dr. Hagney, before before we bring in uh, Pastor Cooper, Pastor Cooper can tell you that I singled out. Dr. Hagney, I singled out Pastor Cooper, and I singled out Mr. Arthur in my speech on Friday oh. night. I talked about oh. I talked about uh, the Big Six and who's going to who's going to step up to be the Big Six now that the Big Six has gone on. Um, all of those guys who worked with Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King uh, to help to work toward um, a freedom for us. And uh, and so so my question that is always in in the forefront of my mind is, uh, yeah, we're free from slavery, maybe, uh, uh, but uh, are our minds still enslaved? Uh, because uh, sometimes you see uh, that crab that that these ladies have talked about, and mm-hmm, and you see mm-hmm. uh, how some some of the people that look like us try to pull us back mm-hmm. instead of pushing mm-hmm. us up. And so, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, we talked about your octopus plan and and no. big six, and if you guys are going to step up and be those big six, or who will be? Will it be your sons, your grandsons? Who's going to be the big six to step up and take over and continue to move us forward, uh, so that we will be uh, literally free? We're we're, we're physically uh, free, but are we mentally free? Uh, Pastor Cooper, I turn it over to you. Absolutely, and uh, my big sister was phenomenal. Uh, thank you again, uh, the queen you are, and we thank God for your uh, driver and bodyguard, your your pastor <laughs> husband. Uh, yeah. He's awesome. We we thank you for the combination. But I want you to uh, notice something that uh, we did on purpose Friday night, uh, and you probably noticed it, but I'm going to point it out because I hear my new sisters uh, cry. And they're saying we're not bashing, we're not male bashing. But at the same time, uh, I'm, I have to challenge African-American men. Uh, I know this is a move of African-American women. I know that. I see it in politics. I see it everywhere. And uh, yes, Brother, Arthur always, yeah, Brother Arthur always says that uh, if we arrive to the promised land and men are not there, that's not the promised land. And I see the, the writing on the wall. But at the same time, it does not change the fact that African-American men still earn more than that of our sisters. And we also outrank them in positions and things like that. So what I have to do is challenge us uh, not to have the zeal of jealousy, and I did a whole sermon on that. Uh, As we see them promoted, as we see the Stacey Abrams, the uh, Stacey Williams, which I I consider her my Stacey Abrams in in Texas. You know, and she did... uh, an event for right. you guys, the swearing in Hector. That's uh, right. So, That's right. Uh, what, yeah, and so what we have to do is continue to promote one another. Uh, I never forget, yeah. uh, on purpose, I, I hired and financed an African-American uh, uh, female uh, because I saw the, the Anglo uh, female coming up in rank. And let me tell you something. If anybody wants to do a study, do a study of uh, what a finance manager in the automotive industry makes. It's just the average. Uh, it's a healthy uh, uh, amount of income, which is well-deserved because they put in long hours and, and work hard and lose time with their family. And if you blink an eye, uh, 10 years go by and you no longer have a 7-year-old, you have a 17-year-old that's about ready to graduate. So that's a reason yeah. for the compensation of that position. 
But my point is, is that uh, once I promoted this young lady, uh, at the time I was the uh, general sales manager, and there was a general manager, and he came through, and he looked, and he said, oh, we need to make sure we have post-toe shoes. And I'm like, well, I was studying after 20-odd years in the automotive industry, we never had to worry about closed-toe shoes. Why is this an issue now? Kind of like the Crown Act. You know, uh, African-American yeah, women yeah. have to deal with certain things. Uh, I was in yeah. Lake Charles yesterday, and I uh, visited my father-in-law, and I was sitting on the porch waiting to go inside and, and, and partake of a meal. found out that it was 86% humidity. My wife said, oh, we cannot stay in the outside. We have to go inside quickly because they have to deal with things as African-American wow. So, yeah. And so I, I stood up to this young lady. I said, why all of a sudden we doing closed-toe shoes? Because she happened to be about 5'10", kind of my mother's height and size. She reminds me of my mother. I promoted her. and uh, But they changed the rules for us. They changed the rules. And uh, as she went on and left, then we have other folks in those positions. And guess what? Those rules are out the door now. We no longer the women no longer have to have closed toe shoes. They walking around with sandals on, slides, mm-hmm. flip flops, in a professional business. So I challenge us men that when we get a chance to promote, protect, and uh, educate the world that our African American sisters deserve equal pay. And, and, and uh, equality in every area and aspect with with ranking and income. And it's, it, it, it's, it is an arduous task. I know it, but we have to take it personally because I do. I have three daughters, and I have a wife who's in the education system, and uh, it's still pushed because the first, time, first thing most people think is that a principal should be a male. So th- these are the things that we continue to fight. And uh, not the crab in the bucket, but as uh, Dr. Hagney said, Dr. Puss program. So we need to replace Very good. Thank you. Outstanding. Outstanding. Mr. Arthur. Uh, Shirley, can I make just one little comment? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You can make more than one. Go ahead. (laughs) When Dr. Cooper was talking just now, I wanted to tell y'all this story about what happened to a, a election in Fort Worth for the Democratic nomination for uh, I think it was for the um, uh, uh, justice, uh, ju- uh, justice of the peace position or something peace. like that. Yeah, okay. but one of the two black ladies were running for this position. One lady has been, and I'm not naming her name, has been in, in the political right. arena for a long time, running for all kinds of different positions, which she's never got elected to. And then she decided to run for this position. And another black lady decided to run for the same position. Her negative comments and her uh, her political, uh, 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 I guess you call it conversation or communication, was the fact mm-hmm. that this particular other black lady had commented, "Well, I volunteered and I worked so hard. I deserve to go to a position, a position where I can make some money." Well, oh wow! That a her in the Fort Worth Star Telegraph. And I wrote on Facebook, I wrote everywhere about what he just talked about, that we don't have equal pay for women, and we especially don't have equal pay for black women. And most of the time, black women are raising one to four kids, Mm -hmm. singles, Mm -hmm. and we need to Mm -hmm. make money. 
and sure, and we sure. shouldn't use that against us. We should be promoting the fact that everybody needs to have equal pay. And if they can't mm-hmm. make a comment like that, that's not negative. That's my gotcha. opinion. Well, well, that was the that was the purpose of the Lily Ledbetter Act, right? So that women would make the pay that they were supposed to make. And, and and you can go into the military and you can we'll never be able to look at anyone's pay, but I guarantee you, uh, you you're standing, you have stood beside people that you had more education, more experience, and more knowledge than they did, and they made more money than you made. Period. And that would mean Caucasian women, Caucasian men, and black men as well. Uh, Mr. Arthur, let's hear from you. Yes, yes, I want to everything y'all feeling, all, all that is actually what happens. Because, see, look, you have to understand we're in this racist system, mm-hmm. and, and, and they know the only way they can keep a black man down is to attack the black woman. Yes, and sir. that's what we have to understand. They know where, they know what we know. You know, they know what we know. And, and, uh, and they know that, that they, and that's why they don't want y'all to have, you know, they don't want y'all to catch a break in no kind of way. And that's why even when you get into these systems, uh, you know, you know they go hard on you. So uh, you know, and, and until we and, and until we start to represent ourselves, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm gonna give you an example of, of being attacked. Like, okay, they came out with okay. all these commercials. I'm sure we talked about it on, on the show mm-hmm. where sure. they have the system that you did with everybody. Uh, you know, you know, in all these commercials, you ain't say, you, you know, everybody but a black man. You know, trying to make it look mm-hmm. like we don't protect y'all. Right, you know, and this type of thing, you know, that's a that's a subliminal attack. So we got a there lot of go. stuff uh, that's going on as far as uh, you know, sister. I've seen sisters on jobs put up with sexual harassment just to keep their job. See what I'm saying, you know. Wow. So I've seen I've seen different stuff. I'm just saying, you know, I can't complain sure. for you. You know, you have to do that for yourself. But you know, but I've seen I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's uh, now now you know. Uh, it's getting a little better now, you know, some of the stuff that was coming, you know, that have come out, but, uh, you know, but that's real. Uh, now, I, I have a case that's not West Medical Center. Uh, a friend of mine was in therapy, was in, becoming a therapist. And they went, you know, and they, and they had this system where there's some kind of part of the, the, the practice. They had this buddies, the buddies that grouped together and they graded each other. And 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 they were trying to basically grade her out of the school, so she called me up, you know, NWCP. So I went, I went out there and, you know, observed the proceedings. But make a long story short, you know, they backed up, but they but they had a lot of crookerations into the system, trying to get this young lady out the out the door. Right. You know, so it's right. still going. On, what I'm trying to say, that's still going on now. Sure. And built in, Absolutely. Now, 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 the only time I've ever, done, uh, uh, when I was a supervisor uh, at Youth Village, I was I, I did an evaluation of a fella, and uh, and uh, and the village supervisor he didn't like the guy, so he wanted me to change the guy's evaluation I'd given him, and I told him, no, I'm not doing that, you know, and, and so I like to think that's what I would do, you know. Anyway, I, I, I said, look, I said I'm not going to EEOC with you, you know, against this guy. None of that. I say so. If you want to change the evaluation, you, then you write your own. So you know, we we do have to stand up when we're in those positions, and don't go along with uh, 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 you know a bunch of that uh, stuff. Now, right. as an right. entrepreneur, entrepreneur, uh, MLF Home Healthcare, I had 50 plus women employees. 
So I never got I never got any complaints. Now I had been a uh, an angel coordinator when I was in college, and that and, and that particular experience served me well. You know, okay. <laughs> when you get because you got to have a, you got a bunch of lady employees. Uh, first of all, whatever you do for one of them, you need to you, you know do it for all of them, right? You know, yeah. You know, can can make a difference in other words, right? No, 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 don't make no, don't, don't make no difference. <laughs> you know, right. like, and and, and, and uh, you have to. You know, basically, just, just be, just have, you know, just create a respectful attitude, you know, to your workplace. Right. You know, right. Well, it's, it's like Lieutenant Colonel uh, Carter was talking about uh, that people work to discredit uh, people so that that they don't get to rise to the level that they're working to try to, uh, you know, arrive at whatever mm-hmm. their goals and their objectives. You know, and as a young young lady growing up, even way back in high school, I knew what I wanted to do. I laid out my plans uh, to to grow from this step to this step to that step. Because one, one of the things that my father used to tell us is, is number one, learn uh, what, whatever you decide to do, uh, uh, get the highest form of education that you can get at that level. And then, uh, then don't forget uh, to reach back and, and bring somebody else with you. And don't forget where you, where you came from. And then they also would say, don't forget what your name is. And so my mother used to say to us that people will say all manner of things about you. You just make sure that those things that they're saying about you is not true. And she's talking about negative things because people will always try to discredit you like what uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter was saying. Ms. Lorenda, can I we hear something from you? Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Ms. Arthur. I just want to say that I just want to say that uh, I just want to finish up by just saying that uh, you know you mentioned mental slavery you know that's a real thing right you know mm-hmm. uh, something mm-hmm. that's because we're operating under that under this particular uh, uh, system that we're talking about and so, uh, uh, so so what we have to do is brothers we have to support our sisters you know yes. uh, we know they locked everybody up in the nineties right Joe Biden and they did that lock them up plan you know we you know the drug under the drug war. So we know what happened, and so now this is where we at. Uh, the sisters in the league, and so we have to support uh, the sisters. Now I, I've, I've said this on the show before: the Republicans or Republicans, they want they want the black men. The Democratic Party, they want the black women. Uh, Steve okay. Bannon said that said that day when they when they got to court and found out he was after maybe going to go on trial, he said that. Uh, he said they're gonna take. He said they. He said they're gonna take over. They said, he said they're gonna get fifty percent of the black men vote in the upcoming midterms. So I'm just saying, right. you know, that they can't can't do it. And so the goal is to split up the black block. If we, if okay, we so I'm gonna jump in there on this. You're 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 one hundred percent correct. But but you mentioned something about uh, the Biden lockup or way back when. And so that's why I appreciate the work that Ms. LaRonda and the uh, Criminal Justice Association is doing because what, we, what I want to see happen is I, whatever laws that they pass out there in regards to uh, uh, lock them up, quote, unquote, that's the meaning thing to me, uh, lock them up because we know where that all comes from. But, but what, I, what, what I like about the fact of uh, Ms. LaRonda's group is that we got to train our 
black boys and girls very, very early to the only place that we want them in the criminal justice system is where Miss LaRonda Hamilton sits. That's where we want them, teaching it, uh, being law enforcement, being parole officers, being attorneys, uh, uh, police officers, those kinds of things. That's how we want them in the system. We don't want them right. in, in an orange jumpsuit behind bars. I'm going to turn it over to you, Ms. LaRonda. You can take it and go with it. Right. You're absolutely right about that. And with my organization, we go into the elementary schools and, yeah. you know, we these first graders, second graders, third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders, you know, about how we want you to be on the right side of the law, not on the left side. But what we come yeah. to realize is that oftentimes when we go in these schools, they may pull out the little black and brown boys who stay in trouble a lot. Yeah. Versus we want to speak to them all. We want to speak to them all. You know, but sometimes they target they want us to come there and kind of like discipline. So we want to go in and we want to educate. We want to tell yeah. them about this. We want to know the build this picture. This is a place where you do not want to go. And, you know, we want to groom them, you know, to be that change that when they get older and they become a future that they want to see. And then we want to see in them. So that's where we start with the elementary uh, kids. Uh, and about that discrediting and then our brothers and, and this right here, you guys may not have seen it, witnessed it, or whatever, but a lot of times with our brothers, not the ones who are on this call. On That's right. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of times, you know, if they may make advances to the sisters, and then if the mm-hmm. sisters may, hey, hey, you know, no, then the sisters have no way of promoting or advancing because they're going to turn it back because the sisters – turn down that advancement. I have seen that happen quite a bit uh, in the workplace as well as out in the community. You know, so pull us and embrace us and stop trying to advance us. <laughs> that makes Very good. I'm sorry Herman to talk about that. I, I did, Herman well, I did have, okay, but, I, but Herman let me Cain. just say this. Herman McCain. Yes, Herman Cain. <laughs> but let me say this. I had MST, military sexual trauma, on my list to talk about we're going to run out of time and not be able to talk about it but lieutenant colonel carter can tell you that i was the sexual harassment officer and the consideration of others officer uh at the 94th combat support hospital in siegelville texas and we used to be right next door to the prison and and serve there as well and what when i would take cases to and i was the eeoc officer and when i would take cases to the commander of our unit and they would he would say in our meetings you mean you want to ruin this man's career and i said sir this man ruined his own career by putting his hands on a woman when she did not invite him to do that so thank you for bringing that up uh, miss Lorenda hamilton because i did have that on my list uh, go ahead, Miss. Go ahead, uh, Miss. Uh, I think that's Dr. Hadley. Yes, go ahead. A close friend of mine is a judge. He was saying he come up in time. He was saying, "Well, we uh, on our on our juries." He said, well, "This is something we all can do programs. But we need to turn down invitation to be jurors because he's saying Amen. when you look at the percentage of an individual going to prison on uh, the system." Because we're not well, we need more people on the juries. 
Absolutely. Because, you know, and so what we, that's what every person can do. Can don't turn down, don't find a false excuse not to be on a yeah. jury because you can look Amen. at the studies and you guys and you guys and criminal justice can confirm this. By the number of blacks on a jury impacts these sentences. That's what he said. You you guys in criminal justice you can study that. So So I was gonna say it has it's supposed to be a jury of our peers, right? And so you're one hundred percent correct, uh, uh Doctor Hagney. We don't have and so many people find excuses. And I say, go. as a matter of fact, I have never had the opportunity to be on the big jury and for some reason. But I've been selected and I've served every single – the only, time, only reason that I don't serve right now because I am an elected official. Uh, let's see. So, Ms. Cheryl, let's go to you quickly. We, we have – it's 948. We've had an amazing evening. We actually need to do a part two to this. These ladies are outstanding. Uh, Ms. Cheryl uh, Gillespie. Well, Shirley, I have been enlightened. That's really what I want to say. You all have pretty much said what I was already thinking, and I've also learned some things. So, thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Okay, let's hear from let's hear from the guys. Uh, we we get ready to wrap up, and and it's just been outstanding. I I just appreciate the time that these very busy ladies have taken out of their schedule to come to be with us on Marvelous Monday. We need to make sure that people know what these women have experienced and how we can eradicate this racism, this subtle racism, as uh, Mr. Arthur said, that still exists. And we want to make sure that our brothers out there recognize uh, the subtleness that may be coming from, from them. Uh, so let's go. Let's see. Where, where are we going? We, we, Pastor Cooper, that's where we're supposed to go. Pastor Cooper, come on in. All right, thank you very much. Uh, ladies, thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you all for stirring up things inside of us. Uh, the other thing is, real quickly, um, these are conversations that need to be had, and we need to have them all the time. As a, a co-laborer in, in the ministry, uh, he's with the Baptist Association, and I bring it up for a reason. Uh, a lot of them support the type of rhetoric of Trump. My point is, when they don't say anything, don't do anything, to me that's a form of support. And he said, it seems like there's no problem in the United States with racism. I said, excuse me? I said, it starts with the top leadership. And when you have pastors in the pulpit saying rhetoric things, racist things, and not being held accountable, and then when they are, they refuse to go and get sensitivity training as necessary. And I said, then that, that allows their congregation to follow suit. I said, we have a problem. So you're right. We need a part two for this because we have to go deeper into that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Dr. Hagney, it's final. So we're wrapping want, up. Our oh, final comment. Right quick. Uh, I just want to thank you, ladies, for your service, military, and what you're doing afterwards. And just God bless you. And, and, um, and I'm and just honored to be here and hear you. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Mr. Arthur, you have some final thank comments. You, we have about uh, 10 minutes left. You know, thank you, ladies, for uh, coming. I enjoyed the night. Uh, you know, great panel. Uh, you know, and, and you know, just understand that in this moment we in, uh, we need we need to uh, work together, understand uh, the moment. Uh, I want I want folks to watch the hearings, right? That's going on right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, that's right. The, the, the hearings. If you watch, I want you to watch them close because see, this is this is a moment where where we can make a step forward as far as uh, opposition in America. Uh, they need America needs 
African-American leadership right now. They need it globally. Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to understand that that's our power. So watch these hearings. Watch these hearings and, uh, you know, and embrace your power. Embrace your power. Absolutely. Very, very, very good. So we're going to end with our, our three ladies, and, and so we're going to start from the bottom. We're going to let uh, uh, Ms. Cheryl say to us, as well as the other two uh, sisters, what their feelings were. Because if we, if, if we go through, the, if, if our new Supreme Justice, Katanji Brown Jackson, dealt with what she dealt with in open television all around the world. It's no surprise that we have dealt with what we deal with and have dealt with in our past career, and even maybe some still in their present uh, career. Uh, that still uh, exist and make a difference. I serve. I serve on a panel with. I'm the only female that serves on a panel of men, and I enjoy serving with those gentlemen. They, I get great respect uh, from them. Uh, they treat me like the lady that I am. And uh, uh, but there. But it doesn't happen everywhere out there. So, Miss Cheryl, we're going to end with you, and and then we're going to go to Miss Lebranda, and then we're going to. Uh, go to uh, Colonel Carter and tell us quickly in about a minute or so what your feelings were as you watched uh, Supreme Court Justice Jurist Katanji Brown Jackson and how she was treated by those folks. Go ahead, ma'am. Well, just in a nutshell, Cheryl, I, uh, um, Dr. McKellar, I was very, very, I, I, I was surprised. Uh, uh, and it just really helped me to realize that we still have some issues. Uh, here in yeah. the United States, uh, I do feel that she handled it, it well. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, she kept her composure and she stayed professional the entire time. But uh, yeah. as I said, it also made me realize that we have some serious, serious problems, especially when it comes to um, this male dominated society. We might as well be honest about it, this male dominated. But uh, yeah. she did hold her own. So um, those are my comments related to that. Very, very good. Very good. Uh, Ms. LaRonda. I, I, I totally agree. And as I sat and watched that, I, I watched it uh, with tears in my eyes as I watched her yeah. speak with yeah. tears in her eyes as she was yeah. attacked uh, on live TV. Uh, and, and like Lieutenant Colonel said, that we definitely uh, have so – so much work to do, and I know as as women, you know, we got to work harder uh, to prove ourselves uh, versus our male counterparts, and yeah. we just got to keep striving. And I just want to say, Dr. McKellar, thank you for uh, inviting me to uh, be a part of this. It's been great, uh, and it's been awesome to uh, be on with the elite. <laughs> my pleasure to have you, my sister. It's, it's been amazing to have three of my dear, dear friends. Uh, that uh, I come on. So now we'll go to Lieutenant Colonel Carter. Uh, and, well, the, the uh, and then I'll end ask for uh, a nutritionist. I will be happy to help him. Work on the committee concerning food deserts. I worked on the yes. committee for infant uh, mortality and maternal care for black women. Yes. So I've been yes. around a while. Oh, I'll be happy that. to help in any way I can. Uh, oh, my my statement now is uh uh, of of uh, about the Supreme Justice hearings, Cory Booker was outstanding. Oh my goodness! 
Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He was outstanding. <laughs> yeah, he was. He said, oh, my, my goodness. Sister, my sister, my sister, he said. So that was, uh, uh, you know, just one person uh, saying, okay, I'm here for you. That's, uh, that's, exactly. that's, that's really something. And that's all I have to say is that if we just be one person for one other person, hey, they can oh, make wow. it. Oh, they that's deep. deep. That's deep. Oh, oh that's deep. That was the brothers, <laughs> brothers protecting. Yep. That, there you it. go. Yeah. That, that was deep. That was deep. Let me tell you. And, and let me share. I, I want to thank you so much for bringing that up, uh, Colonel Carter, uh, because when I ran for United States Congress in the first district here in East Texas, it was Cory Booker and the late John Lewis who reached out to mm-hmm. me. Uh, uh, Senator Cory Booker gave me the donations, the top donations that you can donate to a campaign. And anybody who knows what that top donation is, is that you can get $2,900 at one time during the primary and the same thing in the general. And Cory Booker sent me a letter because every single year I'm in Washington, D.C., at the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, uh, getting to know those people that work in Congress and in the Senate. And, of course, we know that it was only two African-Americans. That was Cory Booker and uh, Vice President Senator Cory Booker. I'm going to be professional because we're on a professional show. Senator Cory Booker and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. And they were always right there with the citizens, uh, shaking hands with them, taking photographs with us, to include President Barack Obama, who was usually uh, one of the speakers during the course of the time that he was in office. It's usually the president who comes and speaks at the Phoenix Awards Banquet. The tickets run 750 to 800 bucks, and they always made sure that I had a ticket to attend every single thing. So we thank Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker, for standing up for our jurists uh, to say that you are the smartest, the brightest, the best, and we're delighted to have you part of it. Uh, let's see. Uh, did I cover everybody? I think I did. It's 957. Let me just express the fact that uh, that I'm so appreciative uh, to my dear friend, Lieutenant Colonel Joyce Carter, that I have the distinct pleasure of serving in the military with uh, Ms. LaRonda Hamilton, a Staff Sergeant, who is doing amazing, amazing work here in East Texas. And then my dear okay. college bumpy, uh, Ms. Cheryl Credington Gillespie, uh, the Director of Case Management for the Medical Center, uh, Las Colinas uh, area. Uh, first lieutenant from out of the Air Force, and we'll we'll forgive her for that. Uh, but that's okay. We all we all, it need we, we need everybody. Wait a minute, right? hold up, Air, Air Force. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I, I know, I know, wait, wait, I knew wait, I was gonna stir him up. I knew I was gonna stir him up. <laughs> he, 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 I, I knew I was gonna stir him up. Air Force man, the Air Force female. I was I woke him up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, and of course, our dear um, host, uh, uh, Pastor Michael Cooper out of Beaumont, Texas, Miss Lorana, uh, Miss, uh, excuse me, uh, Miss Rihanna Piggles out of uh, Kentucky, and of course, uh, Dr. Hadney, Richard Hadney, right here uh, locally in East Texas, and then none other than uh, Mr. Arthur. 
uh, Fleming to my fraternity brother there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We appreciate all the great work that everybody continues to do. Let me mention, uh, by wrapping up, we remember how the Tuskegee Airmen uh, were treated uh, in the military. We love the military. It was a great opportunity. We travel around the world. I've been into 30-some countries because of the military. I would not have been able to do that. As Lieutenant Colonel could tell you, George Carter, that we put our backpacks on and we backpack when we had leave time. We travel all over Europe to go into various areas, and we thank uh, we thank God for the opportunity to have served in the military. But we know that we still have work to do because uh, racism is just a little subtle. And then I, I want to talk about a little bit about what uh, uh, Miss LaRonda said, and and, and I. Pastor Cooper can tell you I talked about this in my speech in on Friday night, and that is black for, uh, first graders, black kids in particular, in school jails. I mean, who ever heard of arresting a first grader, right? We just we just teach and reprimand our first graders, not try to throw them into a, a special school for it's like a jail uh, that when they get into trouble in the regular school a classroom and then they send them over to this special uh, place, uh, what I call it, the school jail. And so we have to reach our children just like uh, Miss LaRonda and her organization is doing so that we don't have to be concerned with our children. We don't have to be concerned with three strikes and you're out and all of that uh, stuff that exists, uh, that have existed in our country because we've trained our kids from the cradle up to do the right thing. And so, and then the, uh, the final thing is why there are some states who actually don't celebrate Juneteenth. Uh, so are they still trying to keep us in the place where our ancestors were at one time. I don't know. Maybe that's our, our segue into ending the show and talking about this in part two. Thank you, ladies, so much uh, for being here with us tonight. This has been an amazing, amazing show. You've brought so much knowledge to us. And now we're going to turn things over to Miss Rihanna. So stick around for a second, and you can hear our theme song of uh, about how, think, how black people perceive things. This is somebody that sings this song. We don't have the rights to it, but we use his song to talk about some of the some of the things that black people have experienced in their lives. Thank you. May God bless you. And happy Juneteenth celebration once again, because guess what? Black history, black heritage is 365 days per year. Yes, Good night, ma'am. everybody. Yes, ma'am. Much love to you. And thank, thank you so much. You. And that now, Miss Rihanna, we'll turn it over to Miss Rihanna. Thank you, everybody. Hold on for now. One day when the glory comes, yep. it will be out. It will be out. Oh, yeah, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure. Oh, no. Glory. Glory. Oh. To the heavens, no man, no weapon Formed against, yes, glory is destined Everyday women and men become legends Sins that go against our skin become blessings The movement is a rhythm to us Freedom is like religion to us 
justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, his spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots be on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. Glory. Glory. Oh. Every man, woman, and child. Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. They march with the torch. We gon' run with it now. Never look back. We done gone hundreds of miles. From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero. Facing the league of justice. His power was the people. Enemy is lethal. A king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego. The biggest weapon. It's to stay peaceful, we sing, our music is the cuts that we bleed through, somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany, now we right the wrongs in history, no one can win the war individually, it takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy, welcome to the story we call victory, the coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory. One day, when the glory comes, it will be Have a good night. Our next show will consist of Mr. Jason Terry of the Jason Terry Foundation on the food program that will exist here in Tyler, Texas, starting on next month. Thank you. May God bless you. Have a good night. Bye for now.
to trust you. 